0: Hi, you're listening to No Proof, Slurp Edition, a new segment of the podcast that focuses on non-alcoholic drinks featuring the people who make them. People often ask me, if you don't drink, then what do you drink? This show answers that question. are listening to No Proof. As always, I'm Josh Gandy, and today I'm speaking with Tatiana and Dash of Three Spirit. Three Spirit is a functional non-alcoholic drinks range created by bartenders, winemakers, and plant scientists. Uh, I firstly wanted to say thank you for being on the program today. I'm a huge fan of what you do. Um, you know, from a bartender, from someone who talks about NA Spirits and a consumer. Uh, So getting the chance to learn a little bit more about the brand is um, exciting to me. Uh, And I guess what better place to start than by asking, what is 3Spirit? Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having us.
1: So what's 3Spirit? 3Spirit is... um, as you as you just summarized, we're a we're a functional non-alcoholic drinks company. Uh, we started life uh with our spirits range, which there are three. Um and you know, the best way to explain what they are depends who we're talking to, of course, but you know, they're they're botanical elixirs that they are trying to celebrate all of the um wonderful you know, potential of, of plant material for its flavor, for its taste, for its mouthfeel, also for its effect. So we try and harness the power of these plants and we try and create really interesting novel flavor profiles. We try and kind of keep ourselves interested by, by doing things that maybe are a little unusual or approaching things differently. Um, we now also have a wine range called Blurred Vines. So we have to talk about the whole kind of family of products that sits under Three Spirit. So I think, you know, Three Spirit, we we make functional alcohol alternatives, essentially. We really try and um, think outside the box and uh, make, you know, make liquids that, that can surprise and that fit into traditional alcoholic drinking occasions.
2: Yeah, I think. Hey, uh, Tati here, just to add to that, I think free spirit is a response to non-alcoholic. Always, like, I think it was like a lot of non-alcoholic is what it's not, and it's copying what's gone before. And actually, if you remove those boundaries and parameters, like it gets a lot more interesting. I think whether you drink, don't drink. Uh, we're wide open to both of those things but a dealkalized gin I think for us just felt uh, it just didn't interest me and actually ultimately you want something delicious that suits that moment Um, and actually not trying to compare it to something else often makes the experience more enjoyable because you're not trying to compare it and you know it's not less than something or it's not worse than maybe the thing that you're trying to kind of emulate it just is its own and i think you know open-minded and enjoy and being kind of open to new things is something that we're all about so yeah that's us
0: i think from like a consumer standpoint that's one of the more important things to me there was something on uh you had some like uh faqs about the the blurred vines on the website and it says inspired by wine not imitating it and that was like really important to me and you know as you were chatting about that, I was thinking about kind of like my own path as a bartender of, you know, I always made it a point to collect what I called like my farmer's market palette. You know, it's like if you're going through a farmer's market, pick up everything you can and taste it and be able to build that. And I did that with flavors. And then I did that with spirits as well. You know, I wanted to find something that would work for cocktails that I could speak to my guests about and in doing so, I found some of the, the the best spirits and the best flavors. So then when I removed alcohol from my life and then some of the products that I get are just the removed alcohol alternative of that, <clears throat> I'm sure that may taste different to somebody who has maybe never had gin or maybe never had whiskey or something like that. When they have it in a cocktail, it's nearly unrecognizable. But for somebody like me as a bartender to be served a less than style of product. It's just like, it didn't work for me. So I think that's one of the things that I'm like most excited about what you guys are doing is just like the flavors are of themselves and they aren't just trying to be something else to kind of like pull one bottle down from a shelf and replace it with this. I want to ask, what was the landscape like when you were building this? And how did you kind of keep that Intentionality in mind of finding inspiration and not imitation.
2: I okay, so um my background, I ran a guide to the best bars in the world. So I have drunk in many, many amazing, wonderful, wacky, wild bars and um worked with a lot of big drinks brands and seed that was in the market. Uh, I think there's a lot of non-out beers and um not that many players, and I think. There's an element of like you see someone succeed. that was like phenomenal, created the conversation and this adult sophisticated. they got bartenders opening their eyes to the fact that you can't just like shove orange juice on the menu and that'll be okay. Um, so I think didn't want to be the same as them for starters. But actually, for us, I think, I think we we're excited about focusing what was in a drink. And I think, it doesn't have to be about whether you're drinking or not. Like, can you just have something different? And can you have something that like has benefits or has function? I think we originally started from a relatively hedonistic lens in that of like, Hey, can you like kind of do something really out there and wild? And actually kind of quite quickly came down to the fact that really, really obsessive about the occasion and the moment and what flavors were like really important for that time of day. And the bartenders that we work with, Thomas Ask and Tristan Stevenson and Robin Honhold, some pretty well-known UK bartenders. They really helped us, I think, guide us with like, where this is gonna go in the mo, like what moment, what um recipes that this would really work for, because people are, we are creatures of habit. And so we do like a kind of like spritz style drink when the sun's out. We do like a short decadent drink at the end of the night. And so those things are really, really important. And then I think Dash is, he comes from the functional world. And so I think he was able to bring his knowledge around like ingredients that would really work for those occasions as well. And So there was nothing, like, we launched at the same time as Kin. We, I mean, like literally to the date, we've dropped very, very similar things at very, very similar times. I think just like by chance. Um, and so there was, there wasn't much else in market. So yeah yeah kind
1: of... I, mean, I, I i'd agree with all of that it's so yeah when we launched in in the very beginning of 2019 in the uk uh and you know the the kind of non out spirits thing definitely began in the uk which is quite interesting thanks to seedlip because it's more normal for these kind of trends to originate in the states um you know once it's kind of pigeonholed in a well-being kind of trend but the innovation around yeah na spirits definitely comes from the uk which is which is cool and when we launched there wasn't much else uh but it was a hugely um polarizing kind of field um you know it was seed lip was divisive Uh, and i think non-alc is divisive still amongst bartenders or the the drinking community it's changing all the time as people's relationship with alcohol changes all the time and um I think, just to add, you know, from what Tati was saying is is, yeah, I think we are a bunch uh, a bunch of of founders that do appreciate and celebrate really good quality alcohol and great occasions that can be supplemented with alcohol. And so we wanted to bring uh, an extra reason to believe or an extra reason to consume to the, to a non-alcoholic drinking occasion, which isn't just about looking good in a glass. Not just about, um, you know, tasting good or or having uh, ingredients from a from a certain geographical location. We wanted to bring function to the party, which is is what got us excited about. Hey, that there could be there could be a big emerging category within this this new non-out space, because you can see how functional ingredients and foods have. Um, you know, um, found their way into major food categories. So why not non alc Seems like an obvious place to try and add an extra element of, you know, here's a drink that can give you something.
0: I like that you list the used highest grade, ethically sourced ingredients that you can get your hands on. And I think this really resonates with me because, you know, I celebrate the full category of NA. I want there to be as many options available to people as possible and for people to kind of like taste through and find what they really enjoy. Um, But I like that you aren't just surface level, that it goes a, a, a little bit deeper than that. And you're, you know, willing to kind of like talk about what these flavors are. And where they, uh, you know, come from. It wasn't just kind of like a chase to the shelf to take up real estate. What's keeping you tied to the practice of using ethically sourced ingredients, and how is that communicated to the consumer? what What do they need to know about that?
1: Uh, good question. I think so. Just from uh, our ethos that keeps us wanting to be as close as possible to growers suppliers uh the fact that we relatively recently became a b corp um is a is a more formal commitment to that which we're proud of and we're still in the process of trying to communicate that commitment as best as we can because sometimes i feel like we don't there's so much going on when you're running a business you're, you're kind of like hey maybe we should talk more about this or that or maybe our customers would care more if we um explained it in more detail but no, look, from my point of view, so I, I am in charge of the product, product development. I get my hands dirty. I get a thrill from, you know, uh, smelling, tasting, touching, feeling, visiting where these ingredients come from, um, meeting the person that is behind growing it. That is, that's the reason I get out of bed in the morning and like go to work, really. Um, when it comes to running a business there's so many other jobs that you got to do but that's the stuff that is fun and exciting I, I I'm a foodie I like to cook I like to eat I like to drink um I don't mind admitting I probably spend most of my my income on food and drink because it's what I enjoy um you know spending money on I just love it and so when it comes to product development or sourcing the same, you know, I, it's, it's what's most exciting. I love the people that you might meet through this journey. I love all of the learnings, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert, but by the time, at the end of a process, you learn so much and you learn what's good, what's bad. You make mistakes. There's plenty of like small scale, tiny, amazing suppliers that, maybe we've had to move on from because they maybe just couldn't quite give us what we needed to scale but at the same time the opposite is true we bend over backwards to stick with the people that can give us the best quality raw material even if they're not um, currently set up to you know supply big companies you know we're still a small to medium-sized business and so we're trying to help small suppliers grow with us um blurred vines was a great project and opportunity to get super close with some suppliers so it's a good example of working with the rare tea company who source and supply all of our teas and and whole leaf botanicals which we cold brew for for blurred vines so i mean that has been an eye-opener and and that's leveraging someone else's expertise and someone that's been working for decades in a field to um produce like best-in-class sourcing uh and so that was something that we were clever enough to you know hey it would take us years to figure out how to do this why don't we work with someone that's at the top of their game and that can give us the quality that we're after and that give us the guidance um you know, again, with blurred Vines, we're working with amazing fruit growers in the UK that regenerative farms, um, people that we can go and visit um, locally sourced for us in the UK. Uh, but we're trying to do that across the board. So, you know, one thing that, that's really challenging with Free Spirit, we've got currently five different products, um, probably 100 ingredients, It's nuts so it's a strength and a weakness because it it makes things interesting it allows us to make really interesting liquids that are very hard to replicate or you have to be crazy to try and replicate them um but you know it's it's something that we always need to keep on top of in terms of supply chain and what's what's going to be available how the seasons are looking what's the output so so it's a massive learning curve but Again, I don't know if I've answered the question. It's just part of the passion and the joy of, of being in this line of work is you get to get close to amazing ingredients, people that grow them.
0: I think that's maybe sometimes the the part that's missing for some people when they pick up a bottle of NA Spirit or beer and they kind of like question the price on something uh, because they're so used to just like, They have an expected outcome from the deliverable being the feeling of elation or whatever comes with uh, alcohol for that person, making it a little bit more difficult for them to purchase the NA spirit if it's like a new category to them. What do you say to somebody who questions the price of an NA spirit who doesn't necessarily know a story behind it or are as tied to kind of like those um tethers of authenticity the way that you are I, Well, you go you go
2: i mean i, I think that depends where you're at on your journey with non alk because if it's your first stop your natural inclination is like duty maybe or just like oh when you don't drink you save money right and i still think i i think that's still true even when you're drinking na spirits because like the volume that you might drink be less and you know if you go out, non-alcoholic cocktails still are like a little bit cheaper than alcoholic drinks. But I think it's interesting because all of the non out brands I know, like we're like trying not to put our prices up because we know that there's that barrier to entry and and it, and it's challenging because you produce in smaller batches and we in particular use all these ingredients that are super expensive and are significantly more expensive than creating say a vodka or gin. But we 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 sell a lot online. We share blog posts. We talk about ingredients. And then we have a lot of customers, um, the people that really understand the ingredients in our drink, who are really passionate about, you know, was it cacao? Is it um, lemon balm? All of these things that they may understand. They understand that if you went to a kind of like health food store, <laughs> you want to try and buy all these teas and herbs and ingredients, or like your bill would be like astronomical. And they understand that. So it depends who we're talking to we have some amazing customers who are super loyal who will often do that job for us on our social comments um but i think collectively as a group of non-out like all non-out brands we're kind of in this one together because i don't think there are many non-out brands out there with these insane margins that are just like kicking back making like crazy amounts of money i, I actually think the opposite is true in a lot of cases um and so I think it's time for people just to change perception it's like a form of re-education and it takes people like you it takes bartenders it takes brands and I think just why like it's funny like why should something cost more that could potentially make you feel a lot worse it's funny um and, and and then you get brands out there in every category not just drinks and everything that like probably are making shitty products that are cheap to make You know, but same could be true in in vodka, right? Or same could be true in a packet of crisps. And so I think the liquids speak for themselves. And if you get to try it, then often you kind of, even if you might not like it, you can understand there's a lot going on in there. And I think, you know, our liquid is the thing that, you know, if you get to try it, then hopefully that does the job. So.
1: I think Tati answered that almost completely. But the one thing I'd add is, how I respond sometimes is the argument can often actually shine the light on how how cheap alcohol is. And that's how I often respond. It depends, you know, who I'm talking to and where the conversation is. But I think Tati summarizes perfectly, you know, that it's not that easy to make good non-alcoholic spirits or liquids. In fact, it's really challenging. And especially if you're using very obscure, expensive ingredients like we do. But the flip side is, and I didn't really think about this until starting a non-alc drinks company. Yeah, it's it's true. Like, why should, why does a bottle of gin cost X amount when, you know, a certain percentage is duty? It shows you that the value of the liquid in the bottle is unbelievably low in many cases. You know, there's. There's plenty, and there's a huge price discrepancy with, with liquor or, or, or wines or spirits. You know, there's a big spectrum of very highly priced stuff and very cheap stuff. And that's good. The market needs variation. But it is amazing. I scratch my head. It, I don't know how some major mainstream alcohol brands. I mean, the liquid is costing, you know, uh, 5% of the final price of the bottle what's with that that makes me question why i should be consuming that because the opposite's true with us you know like all of that cost goes into the liquid so so it's a it's a good conversation and it's it's divisive again you know people really feel, feel strongly about why na should cost the same if not more than than alcohol it's it's a good question it's a big question
0: there are You know, senses of, uh, you know, relief and feeling that come with certain NA spirits as well. Uh, I mean, you guys use adaptogens and and nootropics. Um, You know, that can make someone feel uh, elated. It adds that kind of like, I drink my thing. I feel this way, kind of like feeling to it. Um, what do you think people need to know about adaptogens and new tropics? Like, what's the the back of the cereal box version of of what these are, and and who are they for? Okay, well,
1: in a in a nutshell, I think because yeah, you see you see these words being kind of used uh, more and more. Adaptogens are a class of plants that essentially can be used or can be shown to um, regulate your stress levels. So cortisol is your main kind of stress hormone produced by the body, which is vital. We all need it, fight or flight. Um, But adaptogens can regulate the the level of this stress hormone in your bloodstream, in your brain, and so they can essentially bring about a bit more balance. So they can reduce stress, or if you're particularly lethargic, they could maybe um, increase your energy levels. So it's a useful um, way to kind of come back to a good place. And nootropics are a class of compounds. They exist in nature, but there's also plenty of synthetic nootropics, um, which are more to do with kind of cognitive function and performance. So um, nootropics may be more commonly used for people that want to have optimal mental performance, Or maybe physical performance, but it's more to do with cognition and adaptogens, more to do with the body. So, using both can be complementary to one another if you want to kind of instill a nice mood change uh, that is incorporating acting on your body and your brain at the same time. I think um, adaptogens have been around for a long, long time. There's great kind of stories around different plants we use. A variety of adaptogens uh, across our product range one which we particularly like to talk about is Shissandra, Shisandra berries which come from siberia eastern china and they've been used um, for a long time but kind of made famous by use by uh, kind of russian fighter pilots during the cold war to to keep keep them on point um during highly stressful activities uh and it's just a good story and also used by olympic athletes you know as a kind of performance enhancing natural food um and we like that because it's a really emotive way to show how these natural plants have been used in some serious situations so why not bring them into a more informal situation like enjoying a drink with your friend um when choosing to abstain from alcohol um but you know there's we get asked A lot like hey so do you use kind of cannabis or cbd or thc and often the answer is like no we we chose not to because we try and highlight the the potential of all of these other plants it's not just about one thing or another which maybe goes back to explain like why are we crazy enough to use a hundred different ingredients it's about you know um finding an interesting combination not just for complexity of flavor and layering in, in, a, in a liquid, but a function we're not, you know, we're not just trying to use one thing. It's like, Hey, this, this entourage effect of many, of many compounds and um, plants, it can, can create, you know, this, this wonderful output, which is what we kind of think of as botanical alchemy, you know, just, you know, tying together all of these different threads to create something new.
0: I think that's great, and I think that kind of aligns with the, you know, kind of the way that you talk about blurred vines as well. I what I really liked with it when I was reading about this is that you said um, we created drinks for celebration, and celebration can really mean like so much, like celebration of flavor, celebration of style, of feeling, and and all of that. But I want uh, I want to hear a little bit more about kind of the the thinking behind blurred vines. Uh, When I read created drinks for celebration, it took me back to all of the times that I have been in a room when like the corked bottles come out and the host just kind of gives me that look of, Oh, I'm sorry. I wish I had something for you. And, you know, they're adding punctuation to an evening, whether it's like an exclamation mark or a comma and me as somebody who doesn't drink, I'm often missing out in those moments. And sometimes like a can of like LaCroix or uh, you know, just a seltzer doesn't hit for some of those moments um what does celebration mean to you as far as like hospitality is concerned whether that's like in the home or in a bar space
2: i th- I think look, the, the language that we get a lot which i love is like it felt like a treat it felt special like it's and I, and you know like not not drinking doesn't mean like zero calories like nothing's going in and it's like totally clean because if that's your vibe like maybe just stick to water you know like if that's really what you're after and I think the not drinking thing you should still be able to feel special and feel like you're indulging and part of the moment and my favorite thing is when people are it's like oh I'm not drinking I've got this it's like almost people find it like a superpower for them because they've got something that's like in their mind like better than what maybe you're having because it's got all of these other things in it's got benefits it's like it's what it has got in rather than what's removed. And I think celebrating is about having a good time, feeling good and having whatever you need in your back pocket or in your glass to kind of like do those things. We had a very, very early on customer that wrote to us being like, just thank you. You know, he's on a sob- sobriety journey and he said, I couldn't go to parties and now I can. Uh, and I was like, to be honest, like that's just because someone's given you like, belief that you can take something I don't actually think it's our drink I think it's because so often you've gone out thinking I don't have anything and I'm not doing something and actually finally the message has slightly been flipped from what it's not to what it is and you're able to go out there and feel good and I think celebrating feel feeling good and hosting people is about making everyone feel welcome and happy and comfortable and included and involved and you know I speak to a lot of, of uh a lot of bars, right? They don't just think about drinks. They think about the music. They think about the ambiance. They think about their service. They think about the prices. Everything goes into considering when you have an amazing bar. And same for when you have people come over. And I think whether your friends or customers are drinking or not, you need to like be inclusive and think about what everyone needs, right? Um, in the same way that you're seeing it with people who might not eat meat, right? It's not just about, oh, you can just have that dish over there. actually oh hey we've got this amazing like burger or we're making something with lentils tonight which is also the the main event and so I think it's about um shouldn't just be about the person that's not doing something you should just be have like offerings for everyone in the room kind of thing
1: I think with with the celebration thing as well is it's no accident right it's what you described Josh at the, the in your question is champagne popping right? It's a universal thing. It's like a, whether you're drinking or not drinking, it's part of the culture. It's part of our slang. It's part of the language. It's like, you know, um, you can imagine it in so many different scenarios and different households and different countries. If there is something to celebrate, whether it's big or small, like, you know, hey, great, you got, uh, you know, first prize in in some kind of project or something. It's like, Let's grab a bottle of something and pop it. That's just how it is. And that's really interesting. Again, it's like cutting through alcohol, cultural um, behavior is so embedded and ingrained in us all. You know, of course, there are are, are many parts of the world that that do not drink openly, at least. Uh, But for a lot of us, whether or not you're drinking or not drinking, there's still, th- those things exist in our psyche. And that's really interesting because, yeah, like you, it's a shame that you can't partake in actually consuming that liquid. But there is a collective experience of gathering around and popping something open and finding the glasses and sharing and coming together and toasting that is way more important than intox- the intoxicating liquid. So, so I think when we set out to to make blurred vines, the first product that we were developing was Spark, which is this bubbly, sparkly, pink uh, prosecco slash champagne type of thing, um, with exactly that use case. And when we're when we're doing our liquid development, we very much try and immerse ourselves in that emotional moment when you're going to drink it, and that was it. It was celebration. Right. It's it's and what does that mean? It means I want something bubbly. I want something uplifting. I want something, you know, fun. I want something with a little bit of fruit. And yeah, let's not beat around the bush. Champagne owns that moment and it has done and it will probably continue to. But let's have a little piece of it, right? Let's try and offer someone something that could look good and you know, behave perfectly in a champagne flute and we went to great lengths in the liquid development Um, when you pour spark in a glass it will bubble up it's very volatile Um, if you don't serve it chilled you will learn that that was a mistake because it will probably overflow in your glass the bubbles are jumping out of that bottle it's ready to party and the ingredients are trying to do the same right we've got guayusa in there you've got l-theanine so there's two different black teas there's caffeine um there's shisandra berries that are gonna you know liven you up there's cayenne pepper so we try and approach it from a 360 kind of uh, degree view which is it's got to it's got to set the mood from the minute you look at the the bottle The name should conjure some kind of feeling and then the liquid should reinforce that and so it's a great question i'm glad you asked because i haven't thought about it for a while yeah it's all about trying to capture that moment of coming together and and being positive celebrating something that we want to share
0: one thing that i also found um fascinating while reading up on those as well was um that there was reference to a third blurred vine that isn't out. And I, what I loved about this is the forthcoming language of that, of yes, we could have put something out. Yeah. It would have been easy. Yes. It probably would have sold, but we weren't happy with it. And I think like that says more about you um, uh, than maybe you're aware of or not is that, you know, the coming out with the language of saying, we stand behind this product for this reason is one thing, but saying, we could have put this thing out and we didn't because we're not happy with it, like hang out. And eventually it will come down the line. Like that speaks volumes to me of just kind of like the authenticity and kind of like honesty, um, behind, um, what you do, like how important is that to you to kind of like continue that language of just kind of like honesty and, uh, almost like open book status as a company.
1: Yeah, very, uh, you know, we, we, we we try and keep our standards super high if we're if we're personally as a team not blown away how could we how could we really get behind it um even you know i think we we challenge our customers and anyone that is willing to try three spirit to to try something new you know we're we're not trying to make mainstream flavors so so we understand that what we do is not for everyone but yeah we personally feel like we have to be really excited and that this is worthy of of putting in a glass and and drinking and um some of the the liquids we've developed have been more challenging than others and yeah we really want to get it right with this the third piece of the puzzle of blurred vines which you know i don't mind sharing is 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 a red variant. Which brings its own challenges. Um, you know, I think that uh, when you can serve something that is chilled and maybe has some carbonation that helps you, uh, it's really hard to nail a uh, a still liquid that you serve at room temperature in the same way. Um, but you know, we're pretty damn close. Uh, we're just trying to just push it a little further. And at the same time, we're also happy to see how how things evolve with our products that are already out and in market and we want to validate those and get people to show us that yes, there's desire and room for more. But at the same you know, I also think it's hard because it's in my nature to want to experiment and produce lots of different things all the time, but also trying to focus and and perfect what we already have and um help grow what we already have but yeah i'm really excited to be trying to get this third blurred finds out the door later this year um we had to park it a little bit for a while as we focused on other things but you yeah, know we've it's crazy we we spent we spent probably 18 months developing blurred finds, and then uh you know it will be more than for the third variation so yeah it's it's a slow burner but it's great yeah I, i'm glad to hear you say that because at first sometimes you get worried that oh no this is we're just overthinking this you know uh people don't care as much as we care but no i think it's it's really valuable it's helpful to hear you say it. it's like it's it's important not to just put stuff out there if you don't feel incredibly excited by yourself
0: what else excites you about the conversation around non-alcoholic spirits or just the way that people are talking about um you know choosing na spirits like i feel like the conversation has drastically changed in the last five years um to where you know it's much more open and comfortable and calming and people can just kind of like be real with each other and they can chase exciting um flavors what's exciting about the world that you're kind of operating in right now and what do you think comes next
2: i think look, for me um we've gone into lazy acres and it's doing really well and they are merchandising a social tonic section and it and, and non alc is often like you got alk, and then you kind of have non-alk on the bottom shelf, or you buy the dog food or something because of retailers. Oh, I've got to have this thing. And beer is really easy. And I think with spirits, and then what we do, like if you lean in, it absolutely like it flies. And so the fact that we're beginning to see this happen and the fact that it's it, there's more people doing it and not just stocking non-alk, but like creating a moment for it is like amazing. I think next for me is the world of wine, restaurants and SOMS. If you don't have decent wine alternatives or things to suit the people who maybe, you you could be drinking, right? We have um, people that have pairing menus that are ALK, non, and then 50-50, which I think is awesome because pairing menus can really mess you up if you drink ALK for like 12 drinks. And so the minute that you get these people that kind of go from being like, no, like, I don't need that, to kind of opening their mind or it takes some people to kind of start those trends and trickle down is awesome because it makes it so much more accessible to the end consumer. Like if you're just offered alcohol, then you don't even think about not drinking. And so I think it's just great for like wider society and the fact that whether you're drinking or not shouldn't it doesn't even need to be a thing, right? it should just be like, oh, I want to have that thing off the menu. It doesn't really matter what it's got in or what it doesn't. You don't think like, oh, hey, you're not having meat? Why aren't you eating meat? Or like, well, hang on, why aren't you having egg? And it, and that just should be the norm. Um, and I think our shift from being quite an online business to being able to become more of a just like readily available business, and not just for us, but for everyone, is what's exciting. And, and I think just seeing how fast it's happening and the conversation around it happening um, is awesome. You know, and I'm excited about what's to
1: come. Yeah. <laughs> uh I think you, you said it. Um, yeah, I think just the momentum build and the momentum shift is what's really interesting in the US. You know, we, we do quite a few um, trade shows and you can kind of see it. It's it's cool because, again, being from the UK and um, being living in London, which is you know kind of an amazing mega city and um the non-alc thing is not really a thing anymore it's just standard you know in a lot of places a lot of places that i would go and eat or drink is you, you expect a decent selection of na drinks and they're pretty much there and there's some really good brands that are doing really well and what's amazing i found it being in the us is How in certain places that seems to be really behind where where the UK is at, which is again, I'm half American, I've got family in New York and West Coast and spent a long time, you know, holidaying in the States and always seeing, always being excited by how progressive the States is and how ahead of the times. But it's been funny like seeing how in hospitality the opposite is true still in na that um but there is a shift happening and you can see it and it seems to really be happening more on the on the east coast um but like tati's saying we're starting to see really good um launches and pull through with with really cool premium grocery chains and um you can just sense and and see and feel this momentum shift which is super exciting for us and hopefully, it's a good sign for for drinkers, you know, for for people looking for good NA at restaurants, bars, grocery stores. I think twenty twenty three is a is a is an important year where we're seeing a, a a big kind of shift in momentum. Yeah.
0: Well, I want to thank the two of you for your time. Not that I needed the reaffirmation that what I was consuming was being uh you know built and made by great people doing great things but it's been really nice to to hear kind of like the the journey of three spirit and uh it makes me proud to uh consume and to pour for others so i'm i'm happy to be hospitable with what you're making (laughs) and i look forward to what's coming next thank Thank you yeah it's been great to talk to you Ain't too good at biting the bullet I'd much rather sip shooting it.
1: It's too bad i become so timid
2: Now resorting to finding Courage in a liquid
0: That's No Proof Slurp Edition. Make sure to check the show notes and Instagram for more info on these drinks or to reach out and ask questions. Enjoy an NA beverage, give our guests a follow, and let me know if there's something you'd like to learn more about. No Proof Slurp Edition features the song The Proof by my friend Mercedes Aviles from her album Nothing to Show. To hear the rest of the track or support her music, head to the link in the show notes. See you next time.